0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in
1: Tuscaloosa. All right, it's Friday. It's been an up and down week, but uh, it's certainly up now as Friday headed into the weekend. We are 22 days away from football. Uh, actually there's some preliminary games before that that uh, i'm pretty excited about watching too but uh, i'm glad it's friday boy we had another thunder banger last night i know it hit tuscaloosa birmingham aniston gadsden everywhere we are but uh let's move right along and welcome in lars anderson our co-host extraordinaire sports writer extraordinaire hello to you hello to justin jones how's life in y'all's world
2: uh, everything's going great. Uh, the sun is shining, at least for right now. Uh, and uh, yeah, just looking forward to a, a great weekend. One thing I do want to do in the show is uh, go over some storylines of preseason week one in the NFL that uh, got kicked off last night with a couple games and... Uh, C.J. Stroud, oh boy, Uh, not a good start for him with the Houston Texans, uh, 2-4 through a really bad interception, and I know it's preseason. I know it's his first time in an NFL game, but he looked overmatched, and uh, if I'm a Texans fan, I'm a little nervous right now about C.J. Stroud, Um, but I know sample size is so, so small. Uh, and uh, it will be fun. Uh, next week, we'll try to get Cole Thompson on, uh, a former student of mine who covers the Houston Texans day in and day out. But uh, yeah, I just want to go in and look at some storylines uh, in the NFL preseason, a lot of action, a lot of games tonight and tomorrow. And uh, also, yesterday, we had Eli Gold on. And Eli told us that he's going to be having a new partner in the broadcast booth, uh, but he couldn't reveal it. He was waiting for the Crimson Tide Sports Network to make a formal announcement, but uh, AL.com has uh, broken the story, and uh, they are reporting that it's going to be Tyler Watts, who is uh, a former Alabama quarterback, and he's a a current analyst across the um, across the network, the Alabama Crimson Tide network, and um, he obviously Tyler uh, was um, he sped, played four years at Alabama as a quarterback. He backed up Andrew Zal when Alabama won the SEC title in 1999, and then um, he uh, Tyler ended up uh, playing uh, quite a bit and uh, he finished uh, his uh, career completion percentage which is really impressive, about 62. And uh, Tyler is gonna come into this role replacing, as I said, John Parker, Wilson, and uh, JP was uh, the broadcast been on the broadcast team as an analyst since 2018. And it appears that uh, through different reports that, uh, that JP is gonna be uh, taking on a role with Yay Alabama, which is the school's name, image, and likeness entity. Uh, a couple others are, are now working for Yay Alabama, including our friend, Aaron Suttles, who does a, a great job. And, uh, I, I, and, and again, I think he's gonna, John Parker is, Going to have some uh, sort of game day role uh, with uh, with uh, Coach Saban, and uh, and so he's and and I know John wanted to stay on the broadcast, but uh, Coach Saban asked him to take on this role, and hey, you can't you can't say no to Coach Saban, so. Tyler Watts, it appears, will be uh, the man in the booth. And uh, they're going to go through two dry runs, uh, including tomorrow. Uh, It's going to be Alabama's first uh, real scrimmage. And it's going to be just uh, Eli and, and Watts are going to, you know, do this on a, a closed circuit and just uh, try to get Eli back up to speed. And also for, for those two to establish a, a rapport with one another. And um, I'll, 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 I'll leave it there, Matt, and, and ha- as someone who has done a lot of play-by-play and you continue to do play-by-play, um, how, how hard is it? to establish rapport with your new partner and uh, it seems like you really you kind of have to know how to play off of each other and and when to speak when to let your partner speak there's there's a lot more that goes into it than just sitting down and calling a game correct
1: Well, it turns out that uh, Eli doing a couple of warm-up games, so to speak, is going to help Tyler and him as well because uh, that's a brand-new combination. they got to establish chemistry. Uh, But something tells me that uh, it will be instant chemistry. Um, Eli called Tyler's games. Tyler's been working on the network before. They know each other. They'll get along. I think if it's... If it's uh, they speak the same Alabama football language. Uh, I think it's a great move. I will put it out there immediately. I was a little surprised. I was glad, but surprised that it wasn't a player in the Nick Saban era. But they went with Tyler Watts. I've known the Watts family. His dad, Herman, is as fine a guy as I've ever known. We used to go watch Tyler play shortstop at Pelham High School. Good grief. How long ago was that? I think it's a great hire. I think they will work together perfectly, and they'll establish that on their own in the next couple of weeks, and I can't wait to hear them. When they open up the microphones against Middle Tennessee State University, so we'll see. I don't know how this affects John Parker. Maybe he does the post game. Maybe he does takes the role of Tyler Watts in some of the other places that Tyler has been, or maybe he strictly just works for Yale Alabama. That is uh, yet to be determined, as we say. But um, I've always been a big Tyler Tyler Watts fan. He had uh, he took some bumps uh, along the way because while Alabama won an SEC championship while he was there, well, I do remember one thing. Um, He ended a long losing streak against Tennessee Um, to the point where I believe Tyler was on one of the Daniel Moore prints uh, going into the end zone against Tennessee. So, Tyler has a special place in Alabama football history and I think it's a great hire. Like I said a minute ago, I cannot wait to hear the combo I think it'll be terrific and thanks to John Parker for his job well done but he's going to take a position elsewhere with the University of Alabama and that's all good too
2: yeah and um, I you know I, I remember Tyler a, a little bit um, I know that he uh, uh, now he lives in, in Birmingham and um as a senior uh, uh he and Brody Croyle became the first quarterback combo in Alabama history at each throw for more than a thousand yards in a season um and uh and and Tyler helped Alabama that year as a senior to a, a 10 and three record um and so yeah uh, I I think it's good to have a quarterback uh in the booth because uh, generally speaking quarterbacks um, You know, they have the responsibility of knowing everyone else's responsibility in a game. And that's why I think they are uniquely qualified to uh, be color analysts. And if you just go back and look uh, currently who the top color analysts are um, in both the NFL and for college football, uh, most of them are quarterbacks. I'm thinking about, you know, Tony Romo. Um, uh, you know, Greg McElroy, uh, uh, you know, the list goes long, and it's, uh, it's a very long list. And, um, so I think, yeah, I think this is a good move because they are getting someone with, uh, a lot of, uh, experience in, in being in the booth. So it won't be anything, uh, overwhelming for Tyler. I was thinking Kirk Herbstreit was. I was just for some reason I blanked on Kirk's name, but Kirk Herbstreit, quarterback at Ohio State, and uh, and you know Rich Gannon. I mean, there's just there's a ton. The the list is very long, With the majority of color commentators in the NFL and in college football are former quarterbacks.
1: Lars, does your head explode if I mention conference realignment? Cal, Stanford just, uh, (laughs) every time I see a headline that, here's what I think. Uh, I gotta read this. Uh, Yeah, It's not like something I want to read, but um, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about a few other things, but uh, let's talk some Alabama football. We're going to do that here in just a second as we break, our first break here on a Friday afternoon. Mike Rodak from AL.com. He will join us. Rodak, I don't know if he's uh, up on the the new Tide analysts or not, I think most of this came from Mark Hine. But anyway, we'll talk a little bit about that and uh, a lot of things Alabama as you dialed in Big Noon Sports. Presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage.
2: Laura the entire process, the Bama broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker Laura Lee at the dot com. That's Laura Lee at the dot com.
0: Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mix of sun and clouds this afternoon. The chance of scattered showers and storms through the evening hours. The high today, 92. Tonight's low, 73. Tomorrow, partly sunny, hot, and humid. A chance of widely scattered showers or storms. The high, 95. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 89 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
3: The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Presented by
2: Haley
1: Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Join us from Bama twenty four seven is Mike Rodak. Mike, how's your Friday going? You got big plans for the weekend?
4: Uh yeah, well be at Nick Saban's press conference on Saturday. It's one of the joys of the weekends in uh in August and Uh, We'll have the day off Sunday, luckily. But it turns into a a seven-day-a-week job pretty quickly this time of year.
1: What have you gathered in the first week of practice? I mean, is anything that is, I don't know, above the fold?
4: Uh, You know, nothing too extraordinary, I would say. I mean, it's certainly – we obviously know the big theme of of Nick Saban's offseason and going into fall camp is really – trying to do the little things better and you know he brought it up again the other night where he really can tell it it sticks with him the LSU and Tennessee games naturally last year and you know he says those are two of the longest games last season and they came down to you know the final play in both cases and um, Alabama players made mistakes and and didn't do things correctly uh, when it really mattered in those situations and Yeah, it seems like that's really the biggest theme of this camp that he's trying to hit home to his players is attention to detail. And he walked in, um, was it Wednesday night and you could tell he was upset, uh, you know, was not in a great mood about how practice went and started talking about, you know, how players need to have that better attention to detail. So, um, you know, can they, there's a lot of time to fix it obviously but it's still you know you can get it going you get it right in august you can look good in the scrimmage you can look good in the practice but when the crunch time comes in the texas game or the tennessee game or the lsu game what's going to happen and that's still you know nobody really knows until that actually comes you can try to prepare yourself right now
2: have you been struck at all by Nick Saban's demeanor? Do you read anything into that? Um, I know that uh, you know the, the the video was released or the the, the picture. Uh, of him smiling, uh, you know, a, a canary swallowing smile, uh, stepping off the podium the other day, and, and that went just absolutely viral, and everybody was saying, "Uh oh, uh oh, here comes Alabama," and I know that was just it was he was joking with a reporter. I mean, come on, people, like let's not read too much into that. But overall, this his uh, uh, his comportment, his demeanor, uh, it seems like to me he at least seems a little looser. And I think uh, for the most part, it appears that he really likes this team and the position that they are in, given that uh, Georgia has won the last two national championships and, you know, everybody's sort of got the, the target is on Georgia. Would, would, would you agree with that? Uh, and I know we're just sort of like reading into things. But unfortunately, because we don't have access to practices for the most part, uh, you, pre- you kind of have to.
4: Yeah, I mean it ebbs and flows. Um, it, that, that's, that's true every year. You know, it typically starts off pretty good. You know, he's well rested after the off season. He's been playing golf. Like the first press conference, typically, you know, he's in a better mood, and that was the case last week um, with him. And you know, the, the picture of him smiling. It he was he went I think fifteen, sixteen minutes that night. It was great. You know, it was totally different Wednesday night though. Um, and that's only. You know, it was less than a week apart and you could tell he was in a bad mood walking in he kind of got annoyed that it it went longer than i think he wanted to and then there was some confusion over the last question that was asked and he got into a little bit of a back and forth over that and um got into a back and forth over the, the pete rose question and um you know was was not in a good mood walking off the podium um Wednesday, i can assure you of that so it, it ebbs and flows. I remember last year, like, he came in and said he really liked the team and seemed really positive about the team in the beginning of August. And then, you know, by the Utah State game, even though they won that game handily, he was in a pretty sour mood after that game, you know, about depth chart questions and and all that. So it, it's tough to read into it because it can change day to day, week to week. But, I would, I, you know, I think overall, I, I think he's happy with the, the team – um, I think he's happy with their situation and that it kind of gives them some motivation like you said but um look I mean I I've gone back and looked at some games from last year I was even watching the, the preseason NFL game last night and during halftime it was Bryce Young they're showing you know highlights of him from Alabama and you're like man like some of the plays Bryce Young made last year were just we took some of them for granted because he was pulling them out pulling Alabama out of you know the, the depths of defeat and they don't have that guy this year. So it doesn't matter how good he feels about the team or any of that. If you don't have a guy like Bryce Young, I mean, that that means something. And that's still the number one issue with this team.
2: Yeah, it was uh, last night after the uh, Patriots-Texans game, all the Alabama players, former Alabama players, got together. and, And it took me a long time to count how many there were. I mean, it was just crazy. I think there's ten or nine, nine of them on on the field, and it's just it, it's mind-boggling. But um, how important is uh, the scrimmage tomorrow? And are they going uh, all out? Like is it, it's going to be you know uh, just wind the intensity up and 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 let it rip? Although I'm I, I would assume that the quarterbacks uh, won't be hit.
4: Right, exactly. Yeah. Typically for the scrimmages, it's, you know, quarterbacks are non-contact, but it is live action for everybody else, live tackling. And, you know, one of the things that he always says, and I'm sure he'll say it again Saturday when he talks to us after the scrimmage is it's always his goal to stand back and have his coaches stand back, you know, literally and figuratively, not be on the field, not be spoon feeding stuff to the quarterbacks and, and to the offense and just let things flow. Uh, and see how players react to those situations. And that's different, you know, than a normal practice when they're going to be a little more hands-on. So um, that's – it's obviously going to – and this year more than others. Like, I think we could all trust Bryce Young to run the offense last year in scrimmage, but that's going to be the big story is how does Tyler Buckner run the offense, how does Ty Simpson, how does Jalen Milrow – uh, when there's not, you know, that help, uh, or you know, you didn't line up right. Let's stop the play. Let's line up right and do it again, and just kind of let the the bullets fly live. So, that's that's usually the biggest difference from a scrimmage compared to you know, an 11 eleven-on-eleven portion of practice. But yeah, uh, you know, like you said, there's none. There's no fans that are allowed there other than some, some donors, and we're not allowed out there either. So it's it happens in, in relative secrecy
1: bama interviews are brought to you by laura lee thompson the bama broker advantage realty group i'm not even sure why i'm curious but i continue to be so i will ask this question do we know if tommy Rees is going to be up top or sideline
4: uh we don't know yet
1: um it's a good question
4: i think to ask you know probably another week or two it's i'll i'll jot it down and it's interesting, too. I, You know, we keep talking about the Patriots game. I noticed that Bill O'Brien was on back on the sideline for the Patriots um, last night when actually last year he was up in the booth for Alabama. And that's something, you know, Saban usually says he lets his coordinators be where they want to be. Um, and it's up to them. So I, off the top of my head, I do not know where Reese was at Notre Dame if he was up on the field or up in the booth or down in the field. But, you know, I think for... And the biggest issue for, like, Bill O'Brien, going back to Houston, I I found a quote from seven, eight years ago where he said, if I'm the coordinator, I want to be able to look my quarterback in the eyes after there's a bad play and and be able to communicate directly with him. And then he was actually up in the booth. Now, I think there's a lot of trust there between him and Bryce Young. You know, flip forward to this year, if you're Tommy Reese, I think you want to be on the sideline and be able to communicate with whoever the quarterback is because there's just not – I don't think you have the same level of trust he's going to run the offense. So I think that's where my guess is he would prefer to be, but I, I don't know exactly how it's going to shake out.
2: What is uh, your impression of, of, of Tommy Reese and uh, just what, you, what we heard from him uh, last week in his one and only appearance uh, before the media? And uh, for this year until uh, the uh, bowl game or uh, a playoff game. But um, what, what was your impression of him then? And also just sort of what you're hearing and how you think the relationship is between Tommy and uh, Coach Saban?
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, he's obviously young. He's thirty-one. You know, he's an ex-quarterback for Notre Dame, so there's a certain level of polish that you know came off when he's talking to us. It's not the first time he stood up at a podium and spoken to the media. Um, you know, obviously not just as a quarterback at Notre Dame, but he did the same thing as a coordinator. So he's, you know, he he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was saying. Um, you know, I would say, you know, one of the biggest messages, and I think it's something that I've tried to communicate myself all off-season, is that. He's not just picking up the Notre Dame system or the Notre Dame philosophy, bring it to Alabama, that this is, as we all know, still Alabama's playbook, but also, you know, he's trying to tailor it to what their strengths are, and their strengths are still at wide receiver compared to tight end, where it was, you know, the opposite of Notre Dame. So that was, you know, part of his core message and something he tried to get off. I think the most interesting thing to me of what Reese said, though, was when he got asked about Tyler Buckner and, obviously those guys go back a long, long ways. I think Reese offered him a scholarship either early in high school or middle school uh, to Notre Dame and obviously was his quarterback at Notre Dame. But Reese had a little bit of distance um, from that. He it, Then it seem like he, you know, it, it, we all have talked about the three-way competition. Reese kind of said, oh, yeah, we brought him in for some competition and a veteran presence. It was kind of like, you know, when an NFL team signs a ten-year vet to, to come in and hold a clipboard, it, it, I, I think the situation is stronger than that. I think the Tyler Buckner's chances are stronger than that. But Reese was kind of downplaying it, and so you know, is, is it just him not trying to play favorites? Is it him trying to detach himself a little bit from from Tyler Buckner if there is a fact that a different quarterback who starts? And you know, that's I think ultimately going to play a role in what his relationship with Nick Saban will be. You know, if this was. Reese's guy that he went out and got through the portal. And he doesn't work out. Is Nick Saban going to be thrilled with that? I mean, that's that's something that we'll have to see over time. You know, right now I I would say Tyler Buckner is number three. And if you're number three, you're probably not going to play.
2: Boys. It does, yeah. It kind of follow up really quick. It does feel that way. It, in that that Buckner is three. Do you, do you think there's a chance that he can? Work his way out of that.
4: I I do. I think you know to at least get to number two and maybe compete for number one. But you know, there's still three weeks of camp plus. You know, I think the Middle Tennessee game is basically a preseason game, and they'll play different guys. So you know, there's still almost a month here before they really need to figure out who's starting against Texas.
1: It's Mike Rodak from Bama 24/7 on Big Noon Sports. Let's take a break, Mike. You can hang around, please. Yep, definitely. All right. Uh, Another uh, 10 minutes with Mike Rodak when we get back on Big Noon Sports.
2: Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you.
3: NLMS number 230376. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: Mike Rodak is our guest on Big Noon Sports from Bama 24-7. Hey, uh, let's uh, let's talk about Bama 24-7 real quick. Uh, what you got? What's, what's your most recent contribution and anything else out there that folks ought to tune in or actually read as quickly as they can get online?
4: Yeah, as a lot of people know, you know, 24-7 is, um, you know, one of the big recruiting websites out there. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people – might not know the name brett greenberg maybe some people in tuscaloosa do when he was with the um, tuscaloosa news but you know he's been doing a great job for us on um you know recruiting and this has been a pretty busy time of the year for that you know some of the well the decommitment of of perry thompson but also some of the guys that they've flipped even within the past week and you know brett's all over it brett's on top of it and um if you're looking for some inside information and you know, things to, um, to look out for before they actually happen. You know, I think that's it's a good resource for anybody who's interested in recruiting. Um, so that's, that's really what I'd point to first.
2: Uh, Mike, it's been a crazy, uh, few days, week on uh, conference realignment. And now, um, the big question to, to me or one of them is what's going to happen with the, the pack four, Right. Stanford, Cal, Oregon State and Washington State. Um, it, it appeared for a second that Stanford and Cal may head to the ACC. But then the ACC, I think, uh, made a financially prudent decision and is delaying uh, adding uh, Stanford and Cal. What what do you think? What are the options for uh, the, the pack Four? And uh, I mean, what do you have any? I mean, just any guess as to what may happen.
4: Yeah, I think ultimately Cal and Stanford probably go one direction together. And I think Washington State and Oregon State go a different direction together. Um, I I think the most likely landing spot for, for Washington State and Oregon State is um, the the Mountain West and whether, you know, there's some people spoken about, you know, merger with the, the Pac-12 or they take their brand name and You know, I I think some of that's just going to depend on the business end of it. You know, is who, which league kind of survives there. Um, You know, there's brands can be sold. You know, trademarks can be sold. But you know, do you want to take on the Pac-12's debt? Do you want to take on their TV network that's failing? I mean, um, it may just be better for those two schools to join the Mountain West, and you keep the Mountain West name. And I think that's ultimately where they land. Cal and Stanford are different because there's more prestige. You know, those are bigger name schools, Um, but they're also, you know, there's a certain academic quality there that, you know, you want to match them with a a specific conference. Um, You know, the ACC and the Big Ten have that as a priority, at least, you know, on paper. Um, But, you know, neither neither of those conferences really want those schools from a a sports standpoint, especially with Cal. I mean, Cal's been terrible, you know, football-wise for a while now. And basketball-wise, too. They're absolutely awful. So they don't bring a whole lot of value. And so that's really the biggest problem for them. So I, I think ultimately they end up going independent, at least for a little while, and, and maybe seeing how things unfold. But it, it's just hard to see the, the Pac-4, you know, Pac-12 formerly, staying alive any time past next June when everybody officially leaves.
1: Mike Rodak, when this conversation comes up, I always – Feel the need and want to know everybody's opinion on what's happening with Florida State. They've put it out there. They said, "Hey, I think we're uh, we're in the mix here." Um, Big Ten. Uh, Sankey says the SEC is pat. I just think because of Florida State's national publicity and, and their national fans, uh, man, they're a gold nugget in my opinion. Yeah, there's you know that's that's
4: obviously the next. Frontier of realignment is going to be the ACC teams, and even when it had you know, the ACC spring meetings, there's seven teams that were pretty disgruntled, and those were the bigger schools: FSU, Clemson, Miami, North Carolina, NC State, Virginia, Virginia Tech. The other seven schools were obviously just content staying where they're at because you know, they're they're kind of having it made. So that, that conference is, is shaky. You know, there's there's not they're not in, at an equilibrium right now. I think the SEC sees itself as kind of being in a stable spot where they don't need to add anybody. Um, obviously, they're doing very well. They're successful in the field. Money-wise, they're great. But, you know, there is a line of thinking. You see some people bring up, and I think there's some validity to it, that you don't want to get too um, complacent. And if the Big Ten is is adding schools and they have this bigger TV deal now than the SEC does, um, you know, the SEC can be happy where it's at, but do they have to add somebody? and i think you know as prestigious as fsu's football record might be it, the the people you talk to really seem to think that north carolina is really the bigger um, fish you know for the sdc to to try to go get because it adds a territory under map um, and it's you know it's a good very good football school these days and obviously you know has the basketball history so um, you know, North Carolina and Virginia are actually, if I had to pick two schools out of the ACC that the SEC would want the most, it would actually be those two schools and not FSU and Clemson. But FSU's rattling their sword. I mean, they're, they're angry. They're public about it. Um, you know, there's this whole thing that they might explore, uh, private seed money and maybe that helps them get out of the ACC deal. Maybe that helps them kind of cushion a, you know, a, a transition into a new conference where they might not be making too much, but, that's, something's got to happen there you know, at some point here pretty soon.
2: What do you think of uh, FSU and the position that they're taking, that the revenue distribution model isn't fair because they get so many more eyeballs on them when they are playing than other schools in the ACC, and it's by a, by a long ways uh, other than Clemson. Do you think that that is a fair argument to make if you're the the, the president of uh, Florida State?
4: Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of a microcosm of, of college football as a whole. So you know there's there's a lot of validity to it that, um, yeah, that Florida State or Alabama or Georgia or whatever is not equal to even you know let's say Syracuse or Boston College or Vanderbilt or you know a. a FBS team or a group of five team in the FBS, like there's everybody's not equal, and that's kind of what has driven this latest few rounds of realignment. That these conferences kind of group teams together that just aren't uh, on on the level playing field, and that's that's kind of how things have changed. And um, I, I saw somebody make a good comparison where they said it's like when you go from cable TV and you're paying for all these channels and maybe you watch ESPN a lot. Maybe you don't watch, you know, some random other channel a lot, but you're paying for all of them. And then you go to a streaming model where you're specifically paying for certain things. And that's kind of how college football has gone, where the TV networks are picking and choosing, you know, what are the most important, what are the biggest teams that we want to put on TV and are almost creating these new conferences through that and the teams that aren't the bigger draws are getting left behind just like the tv shows or the tv channels that aren't the biggest draws are getting left behind and not just getting that blanket payment that you know you pay your cable bill and you're paying for 50 channels you don't watch and that's kind of been fixed with the streaming model and i think the college football model is is kind of running along the same lines where they're trying to make it more efficient and um, again i think ultimately this all within the next five or ten years moves to a system where it's 30 or 40 teams and those are the biggest teams and it's almost its own separate league and uh, everybody else is is kind of doing their own thing
1: it's kind of like a sales meeting and everybody's paid salary and not commission and then there's this guy over here bringing in 80 percent of the business and he's getting the same pay uh hey hey me would you ever see the sec going to this model because that would be uh i would think a lot more money for the university of alabama
4: no i i still think it'll be equal among the SEC. but i think the bigger question is in not just the SEC, but also the big 10 is will there come a day where they say or their tv overlords espn and the C's case or espn slash fox and or fox slash uh, cbs in the big 10's case do they say we don't need vanderbilt we don't need northwestern like and knows maybe there's pressure from the bigger schools in those conferences that push those teams out. So, I, yeah, I, I think it's, it's going to be less, um, unequal revenue distribution in conferences and more of a case of maybe eliminating some schools that, uh, aren't pulling their weight. And I, if I'm Vanderbilt or Northwestern or Rutgers or Mississippi state, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how, um, if I would
2: feel that I'm still in one of those conferences in ten years. Mike, uh, turning to the NFL uh, in your former life, uh, you covered the New England Patriots, and you're very familiar with that franchise. And um, want to just ask you about Mac Jones, and is this a make or break year for him? And also, you just you look at their roster their number one ride receiver is Juju Smith-Schuster, who's been kicked to the curb by two different franchises by Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Kansas City last year, he was probably wide receiver three. Uh, and he's supposed to be their one. And, you know, you've heard some pundits who I, I trust saying that, you know, New England doesn't have a, a, a first wide receiver, a second wide receiver. Maybe they have a third wide receiver. Uh, so... What are your expectations of, of Mac Jones, a, a, a guy who you know very well, obviously from Alabama, and then just your background with uh, New England?
4: Yeah, I, I mean it's going to get really interesting one way or the other after this year um, for Mac for Bill Belichick. I mean it's it's a tough division that they play in. You know, I, I have a hard time seeing them winning it. Uh, you know, with the Bills kind of in the the thick of you know they have a, a quarterback who's been great in his prime and Josh Allen and they have a lot of stars and you know the Jets have Aaron Rodgers and I've sort of loaded up for a run with him and you know the Dolphins have certainly come along with Tua and and the receivers that they have so it's a tough spot for the Patriots tough spot for Mac I think he's going to be better than last year Bill O'Brien as much as Alabama fans don't like him uh is has been a pretty good NFL coordinator and you know is better than what they had last year which was a couple defensive guys really And, um, yeah, I think it'll be better, but if they go 500 or just above 500, maybe they make the playoffs, maybe they just miss it. I just don't see them as a team that's making a deep run. And then all of a sudden there's going to be a lot of pressure, I think in new England on bill Belichick, um, potentially leading to him not having a job. I think that's very much in play, uh, him, him getting fired after this year and, um, You know that obviously doesn't leave Mac in a great spot either. If you have a coaching change and and a new system coming in, so it's going to get really interesting there. Unless they, you know, can maybe win at least one playoff game. I think that's kind of the bar for them to cross, and that's going to be a tough one.
1: As we let you go, let's talk about another uh, former Alabama quarterback. It appears from very various published reports that tyler watts is going to step into the booth with eli gold just i don't know how well you know him he was before your time as far as uh, covering alabama football certainly but uh he has been around the alabama football program he's been very visible and uh he's he's been heard as well just your thoughts on tyler getting into the booth
4: yeah admittedly i I don't know very much um i did see the you know the al.com report where eli was on the radio down to mobile and I'd kind of hinted at a, you know, a, uh, an analyst, uh, change and sound like John Parker is, um, going to be working for, you know, Yale, Alabama, the NIL end of things. And, um, you know, that's going to, you know, uh, that, that's going to cause him to be busy on game day. Therefore, they need the new, um, analyst. So that's where Tyler steps in and I'm sure he'll, he'll do great. And, you know, it's obviously great to have Eli back and, uh, you'll be able to see him around on, on game days, but, Um, To be honest, beyond that, I I don't have a uh, ton of insight on um, how he might do, but I'm sure he'll do well.
2: Uh, Mike, real quick, just a a quick Um, follow-up. What do you know about Yay Alabama? And just can you explain to our listeners how that uh, entity is going to work?
4: Oh, yeah, definitely. So that came out in um, February, and that really replaced what had been known as high-tide traditions. And so, again, you go back two years ago to when NAL got legalized, you know, the Supreme Court and all that, would have been July of 2021. And at first, we're all like, yeah, hey, you know, it's just going to be endorsement deals. You're going to have, um, you know, the local car dealer in Tuscaloosa um, giving money to a player for an ad. And yeah, there was some of that. But really, what that NAL um, floodgate being open, that created... Uh, donors, you know, whether you know it could be business owners, you know a guy who owns a car dealership, but kind of bundling those guys together and um, creating what was called a collective, and and then using that collective to um, pay players with NIL deals and there's some sort of service in return. Um, and so at first, it had to be because of NCAA rules, it had to be a third party that was unaffiliated with the school, and that's where High Tide Traditions got created. Um, So, you know, there was, it wasn't certainly the most, you know, productive or richest collective out there in the country. And um, then there was a a rule change that allowed it to become more affiliated with Alabama and they were able to put more resources into it. That's when it got called, yay Alabama. And, you know, they're actually able to talk about it. You know, the school is able to advertise it. And so they've really pushed certain things. You know, they just had the autograph signing at the, um, the fan day practice that, you had to subscribe to Yale, Alabama in order to get down there. And, again, it's all under the premise that they bring in all this money, whether it's just a normal person subscribing to a fee every month or whether it's a big business, and then they distribute that out to players. Um, that's, that's really how players get paid these days.
1: Mike, as always, excellent stuff. Tell everyone listening to Big Noon Sports how they can follow and find you.
4: It's uh, Bama247.com, also on Twitter, at Mike Rodak.
1: Talk to you next week, Mike. Really appreciate your time.
2: Yeah, thanks, Mike. And that was a great explanation of Yay Alabama. I appreciate yeah, that.
1: I thought, I thought Lattie <laughs> no and Yay Alabama were still two separate, so now I know better. Our Bama interviews are being brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker at Vantage Realty Group. When we get back... uh I got to gotta do a real quick dive, and, and everybody going crazy about Nick Saban's new house at Jupiter Island just uh, kind of bothers me a little bit. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Hey,
2: Buckner compass media network's coverage of the nfl the 2023 season gets underway as the cowboys and jaguars kick off the preseason hi this is jerry recco join kevin ray danny white myself for all the action as dak prescott and the cowboys square off with trevor lawrence
0: and the jaguars football is back it's the dallas cowboys and the jacksonville jaguars if it's the nfl it's right here Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mix of sun and clouds this afternoon, the chance of scattered showers and storms through the evening hours. The high today, 92. Tonight's low, 73. Tomorrow, partly sunny, hot, and humid. A chance of widely scattered showers or storms. The high, 95. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's
3: 92 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the plains. This is Alabama's most in depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Presented by Haley
1: Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. (laughs) Matt Flores, Justin. Uh, Social media buzz, and I think I'm probably preaching to the choir when I'm talking to Alabama fans because I think they know the details of this. But if you just look on some of the general platforms and people begin to see this wonderful, beautiful, gorgeous $17.5 million home Nick Saban has recently purchased down in Jupiter, Florida. Everybody's thinking, oh, that's it. He's setting up retirement. But, Lars, we both know That he had an island. I don't think it was. By the way, the the pictures of this place are just It is stunning. It is stunning. They really are. All I wanted to do is make a lot better friends with it.
2: Yeah, you know, what I thought was. If you possibly could get a good deal on $17.5 million, I think he got it. Man, it is just absolutely gorgeous.
1: Yeah, the property. Uh, you know, all the trees and the pool and, the, uh, of course, the, the immediate golf access. It is, it is beautiful. There was a lot of blue there that I think in the actual decor of the home inside that I think is probably going to go away. However, I think so, too. Uh, <laughs> however... Uh, a lot of people think this is immediate. That, okay, Nick Saban is going to retire. and um, We all know that's not the case. He had a house on... Uh God, I just I had the name a minute ago. Uh, <laughs> Gar- Garispolo, Garis.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, Garispolo. Uh, uh, Ga- uh, oh man, well, well, I, I, I wrote about it. Remember, uh, we we talked yes, about it. I wrote about, Gar- about Gar- it in the Dabo Gar- Sweeney book. Yes, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. They're
1: yeah, they're, they're I neighbors. I remember, but anyway, it it suffered damage. Gasparillo. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Sorry. yeah. So it suffered some damage in a recent hurricane, and they decided they moved to a different place, and, and that's where it is. But um, it's hard to claim retirement when he just sim- simply moves his vacation homes. Um, so th- th- there are reasons for that. Now I'll also say this: he could retire next year, and I wouldn't know it. But I don't. I just think people need to know that that is not at all a tell on the future of Alabama wearing sideline headphones
2: yeah I, you know what this this house is perfect for uh, Miss Terry and Coach Sabin because uh, it, it, it gives Miss Terry uh, you know the opportunity to, to be on on the beach, have, have private beach uh, in, a, in a beautiful home and for Coach Sabin, it's all about to me the golf. It's, you know, he, you know how much he loves golf, right? He's, right. he's been spotted at Augusta countless times over the years. He's taken private jets to get to tee times. He, uh, rescheduled or scheduled his hip surgery around a golf. And, uh, just recently when Lee Hodges won, uh, the 3M open, uh, who's a tight alum, uh, coach Saban called him, he just, he, he loves golf. And, uh, and so now, uh, What happens? Well, um, he is now going to be within shouting distance of some of the most legendary golfers on the planet. Uh, His neighbors are going to be just literally, literally down the street. He's literally down the street from Tiger Woods, Ricky Fowler, Gary Player and many more uh, past and current PGA players. And uh, I think Nick is going to have some really good playing partners here uh, once he uh, you know, uh, decides to uh, go into retirement. And this is my guess, is that they'll always keep their lake house in Georgia. They'll always keep this place they just bought at Jupiter Island. And you're right. I mean, it's they got to redo it. It's, it's 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 just it's a little tacky to me. It, it just screams too much Florida, right? Uh, just to, in the design it's a Florida of it, blue too. Yeah, wow. yeah. Uh, and then I think I, I I really believe that they will have uh, their home in Tuscaloosa for years to come uh, because of the their uh, ties to the community, uh, the development of the Sabin Center. Which is going to be a uh, a, a legacy for um, for both uh, Nick and, and Miss Terry. I mean, almost more so for Miss Terry because she really has put a lot of uh, time and effort into uh, creating the, the Sabin Center and, and working with the city and and uh, again, just everything that goes into developing that. So I, I, I'm guessing that they will uh, have uh, those will be their three primary homes, and they may have uh, another home or two, you know, somewhere else. Uh, Italy. Maybe a sh- uh, yeah, a place in Italy, a and chalet Antarctica. in the south of France. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, there's uh, there's a they, but you know what? He deserves it. He deserves every penny he's made. Let's face it. He just he absolutely. Deserves it. And, um, well, and the
1: ROI, the University of Alabama is proven. <laughs> you know, yeah. The enrollment, I, I think uh, it is. Has, has uh, it doubled since he's been there?
2: It, yes. And uh, it, it, it it is, it is doubled. Uh, I think it's, it's – I think it may be even more – it has more than doubled, but what really has been uh, a, a, a boon for the University of Alabama is that now uh, you have vastly more students coming from out of state. And what does that mean? That means they're they're paying out-of-state tuition, which is uh, much much higher, obviously, than in-state tuition. The average ACT score has gone up. ACT uh, SAT score has gone up. High school GPA gone up. Uh, just the the quality of the student in general, just on paper has uh has gone up dramatically since nick saban arrived and it's uh i mean i i could talk for a long time about the reasons behind it but uh it 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 starts with nick saban and there's no question about it and you know we've we've heard uh presidents uh uh, past president of the university of alabama say that nick saban's the best investment the university ever made and it's hard to argue with that
1: indeed it is um (laughs) Hey, on the other side. Yeah, Yeah. you ever wonder why they roll Tumor's Corner? We talked about it yesterday. Today, we're going to get the real story.
2: And also, I want to talk about Julian Sane. Got some inside dish on Julian yesterday from a person who is very, 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 very close to the family.
1: I get the feeling Lars is friends on Facebook with this guy. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. It's halftime.
0: TUG HD Two Northport and 265 CG Tuscaloosa, a town square Media station. What man to be, you could forget about it. Touchdown Alabama! Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
3: More big noon sports coming up.
1: Like immediately. Welcome to the program presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Just a few minutes, we will be joined by former Auburn running back and member of the Alabama Football Hall of Fame, the member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame, technically, or really, and that's Terry Henley. But um, Appreciate everybody dialing us in. We'll talk to him in a minute. But Lars has really been, if you want to know anything about Julian Sayan, then uh, you need to become friends with Lars because you really keep up with this guy but to the point where you have uh, more information than most on him. He, By the way, t- tell everybody who he is first.
2: Well, he is uh, Alabama's marquee recruit of their next class, five-star quarterback who uh, who was named MVP of, of the Elite 11, 2023 Elite 11. And um, and, and I, I, I was talking with someone yesterday who is uh, extremely tight with the family, put it that way. It's really, I can't go into too much more detail on that, but uh, I was given uh, the okay, okay to share a few things on air about Julian San and, uh, and Nick Saban. And, and number one, uh, the two talk a lot and, uh, and Julian Sainn is not worried about NIL money at all. The reason he came to Alabama, pure and simple, was because he wants to play in the NFL, and he believes that Nick Saban and the coaches at Alabama can help him achieve that dream, and that dream is more important than the NIL money that he had been offered and is being offered uh, from other schools. And that's not to say that he won't change his mind, right? There's there's no document that is bound, that is binding him to Alabama right now, but he doesn't care about the money. And uh, he comes from a really good family. And Nick Saban on the phone has just been using the phrase that we've all heard, like stay where your feet are, stay where your feet are. And that really means just staying in the moment and just trying to keep getting better and better and better. Um, he's going to be playing for Carlsbad High School out in California. Uh, this will be his last last season. Uh, he's starting his last semester in high school because he's going to graduate uh, in and in, in, in graduate midway through his senior year and enrolled Alabama in January there could be a little bit of culture shock because he loves the beach he loves to surf he is a quintessential uh, cali kid and uh, but there have been other California quarterbacks uh, <clears throat> Bryce young who have done pretty well at Alabama and and What Nick Saban loves most about him, and this is hard to quantify, but just that the kid is a competitor. He competes, 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 and just uh, absolutely just is – like a hundred out of a hundred when it comes to uh, having all of uh, the characteristics of a high level competitor. And, uh, and, you know, uh, he still uh, is a a, a little bit uh, slight. He's six one and, and he, uh, you know, still needs to work on, on arm strength and, and bulking up a little bit. But, What Nick Saban loves about him is his accuracy. It is just off the charts. Off the charts is his sense of anticipation. uh, And and these are things that cannot be taught. It's like you either have it or you don't. And he has it in abundance. And uh, I'm telling you that they are forming a really close relationship already. And part of me... You know, I, I, after, as I was hearing all of this, um, part of me is thinking that you know what what is Nick Saban in the back of his mind thinking that Julian Sain is going to be you know his kind of last quarterback at Alabama. Will you know Will Julian be say a three year starter, and then that would could coincide with with Nick Saban. Um, you know, possibly retiring at the end of, of Julian's uh, run at Alabama. And, uh, you know, that's contingent on a lot of things, obviously. Uh, number one, that he actually stays committed to Alabama. But I think he is, is, is locked in, locked and loaded, no, no question about it. Um, but uh, there's just a, there is a closeness between Julian and Nick as I've been, I'm being told, that is really rare uh, for Coach Saban to have this kind of relationship with a quarterback who is still uh, in high school and about ready to begin his senior year. And so I think, uh, again, I'm not saying that he's going to come in and win the starting job uh, next year. But I do think that uh, that he is uh, the type of player that will start for multiple years, given uh, that he doesn't uh, suffer an injury or, you know, there's nothing strange happens. But the um, the optimism of uh, that that Julian Sane has about coming to Alabama, his excitement to come to Alabama uh, is not, and his commitment to Alabama, I don't think, will be swayed by any big money coming at him uh, in these, uh, you know, before he actually moves out to Tuscaloosa in January. And, um, you know, it's just uh, an exciting time, I think, for him and for Coach Saban because uh, these two really hit it off. And I know that Julian, Julian is uh, uh, heavily recruiting other guys to, to keep uh, – to, to join his class. And I think um, he is showing uh, leadership characteristics – and again, he comes from a very, very rock-solid, good, successful family in uh, in Carlsbad, uh, uh, California, and uh, in, in the Southern California. And I think, again, everything I'm hearing is that this kid is special, Matt.
1: Well, it'll uh, it'll be interesting to see how it works out once Alabama does find a quarterback. Unless all three are just kind of mediocre this season, one of them's going to step forward, and Ty Simpson comes in here and leads Alabama to SEC championship or better. Um, doesn't he have two or three
2: years of eligibility left? Let's see. Yeah, there's yeah there's he redshirted. Yeah, so he, he he's got four. He's got four technically. Because uh yeah, he, he has a red shirt. But yeah, yeah, so who knows? I mean if Ty if Ty Simpson if if Ty Simpson Yeah, you're right. If Ty Simpson leads Alabama to a national championship, I mean nobody's gonna unseat him. Um but uh I I, I think uh you know there's there's so many variables that go into this. I, I I'm just uh I'm merely a conduit of information here, Matt. I just uh, people feel I'm the middleman here. What if yeah. Lars,
1: what if you're put in the scenario
2: where you have to choose between Ty Simpson, who you you've been very high on as well, yeah. and Julian Saiyan? That's a that's a dilemma for you. It <laughs> is, it is. Uh, clearly I, clearly I'm already on the the uh, Saiyan train and I'm also on the Simpson train Uh, What if they collide? I don't know. I don't know what I'll do. My head might explode. (laughs)
1: Like mine does every time (laughs) I look at conference realignment.
2: (laughs) Well, uh, Justin, what what are you hearing? I'm hearing a lot of the same thing. Um, I've not been as deep into it as as you have been, but I'm more worried uh, kind of on that, those two trains colliding as well, because I think we're going to have a... Like, we have now a lot of quarterbacks in our quarterback room after this season, except we're going to know which one is our guy. And, like, I think – I don't think Jalen Milrow can go to the league after this season, can he? No. But you know what? I've also heard that Dylan – I mean, I, I, I this is all hearsay, right? We're hearing, we're hearing – that Dylan Lonergan has just looked amazing, right? <laughs> the, the The true freshman. That, uh, that he really looks the part and that he has uh, uh, performed very well in these uh, uh, practices, uh, preseason practices. So I, I don't know. It, it's uh, again, it, it's frustrating to do reporting like this where you're just relying on what other people are seeing and what other people are um, reporting perhaps for a future book. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, well,
1: here's, here's a question that I, I think people would like to at least know our opinion on. And we, we got to do this quickly because he hauled away. But where is this information coming from? We know the reporters can't go there. My guess is you've got a manager or somebody that's a good friend and good contact that will slip you a little bit of information because you know it's not coming from the players and the coaches. Isn't that where you think it's coming from, Lauren?
2: Uh Well, I can t- I'll can, tell you off air exactly where it's coming from, but uh, it's coming from somebody I trust very, very much. Oh. And so-
1: yeah, somebody that's been there to see it? I can't ask you that. That's not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> hey, we're going to go to Terry Henley next on Big Noon Sports.
2: Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9,
0: Tuscaloosa weather. A mix of sun and clouds this afternoon, the chance of scattered showers and storms through the evening hours. The high today, 92. Tonight's low, 73. Tomorrow, partly sunny, hot, and humid, a chance of widely scattered showers or storms. The high, 95. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's
3: 92 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: Brought to you by Haley Sansing, on Mortgage. Let's talk some Auburn football and then what else is on the table. It's uh, Terry Henley, longtime friend of this show, um, SEC Offensive Player of the Year, member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. I could go on and on and on owner of the largest collection of signs and stuff I've ever seen. But anyway, uh Terry, I got a question for you. We've talked about it on air. Did you ever take that beautiful green what year was it? Uh a car fifty three. Fifty three. Did you ever go Route sixty six on us?
6: No, they they put an the upholstery in it now. You know, you 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 get into antique car building build you'll understand you better have a Uh, You better get in at a young age because you could be old by the time the car is finished.
1: (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, tell us the latest information you have from the plane, uh, particularly in the area of quarterbacks. Well, listen,
6: I I think it's obvious who's going to be the quarterback. I mean, uh, I said it, and I keep saying it. I bet everybody, any amount of money you want to bet, that uh, Hugh Freeze would go out and find him a quarterback that he was comfortable with that could run his system. Uh, I'm not putting Robbie down. I'm not putting any of them down, not at all. But I did not believe that when he came to Auburn that Finley or Robbie, either one, would end up being the starting quarterback. And I still feel like that. Do I think Robbie is going to play a part Uh, He's a talented athlete. Uh, My goodness, you know, what he could do at a slot back or anything or come in on a running play type situation, Uh, a quarterback. uh, I believe they're going to utilize his talent, but I I believe Peyton Thornton is going to be quarterback.
2: Yeah. All right, Terry. I, uh, I have to ask you about Toomer's Corner. I don't know if we've ever had this discussion in the many times that we have chatted, but uh, I unearthed this, and again, I'm not from the state of Alabama, but the rolling of Tumor's Corner can be traced to you. Is that correct?
6: Well, it's sort of like this. You be careful what you say when you're young, because it can bother you all over your life. <laughs> okay, so
2: this is a, this is what I wrote. This is what I wrote in my book, uh, "The Storm and the Tide." And this was uh, before you and I had ever met. Uh, In 1972, a Tigers running back named Terry Henley promised to, quote, beat the number two, unquote, out of second-ranked Alabama. Minutes after the Tigers won the game, 17-16, Auburn fans hurled rolls of toilet paper into the Oaks. And so began a revered tradition. All right, so one is what I wrote accurate I, I hope uh, I hope my fact checker got this right and two where did you come up with the phrase beat the number two out of number two
6: well I mean you never knew what was fixing to come out of my mouth you know what I'm saying <laughs> I mean, the same thing as when, when Bear Bryant calls us Cal college and we beat them I said those cows sure can't kick can't they so I mean just so you never knew what I was fixing to come out and say but uh, you know, listen. What happened was I. Auburn had a radio station, W-E-G-L and it was just an on-campus radio station. And Jimmy Carter, who went on to fame and fortune with uh, in in Nashville with uh, on the radio with the church music. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so, so anyway, he was working at that at there, and so. We had two weeks off before we played Alabama. So they had me over on the first week we were off on a Monday on the radio station. And <clears throat> and he came out with the fact of saying, hey, all right, Auburn's got, got a task. You know, you've got to go to Birmingham, play the number two team in the country. What do you think, Terry? I said, well, think only thing we're going to do is go to Birmingham and play the number two team and beat the number two out of them, you know? Well... <laughs> I leave the radio station and go to class over Haley Center, and people high find me and all. You know, ain't anyway, boy meet the number two out of them, you know. And so I thought that was kind of catchy, and then I said it again at the pep rally, and then I told a couple of sports writers and things. Thing I said, well, people like this, don't they? And then, then in the dressing room after the game was over, I think it was David House, who well, he came up to me and told me, I said, "You're not going to believe this," said. Said so the whole Tumors Corner's rolled in toilet tissue, and they're screaming, "We beat the number two out of them." So, <laughs> so why? Like why I did I they pick? Funny how things catch on.
2: Why did they pick Tumors Corner? Why did they pick those oak trees?
6: <laughs> well, it, see, back many years ago, from my understanding, when they were, you know, when it was a teletape at the at the Western Union. That they would take the old teletape and, and throw it, you know what I mean, up in the air after winds, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, it was kind of, and then, of course, teletape went out and all of that, and so nobody ever did it anymore. So, I think it was something that would happen earlier. And, and, and then the other thing, when we would win games or or whatever, they all gathered at Tumor's Corner anyway. I mean, that was a gathering spot, you know, so... I guess it just went hand in hand with, hey, let's throw it on these trees.
2: <laughs> did you want that on your epitaph, you know, we beat the number two out of them?
6: <laughs> well, I don't know exactly what I'm going to say. I did tell my wife I wanted my casket to, or my urn to be made out of a toilet tissue. Yeah, I did tell her.
5: That. <laughs> Terry, you, you
1: briefly touched on it, but you and Coach Bryant, around the same time had a little bit of a back and forth because he did he referred to auburn as a cow college and you didn't think very much about that no i didn't
6: i didn't like it at all i didn't like him calling us a name you know so he and i went back and forth on that and he apologized he apologized you know what i mean he said he didn't mean to say it but the damage was already done but now listen you know, it, it was much like me saying, "Let's beat the number two item. And So you, you know, I don't, I think he was at a speaking engagement when he said that, and you know, it got out and it wasn't meant to be headlines in the paper like it ended up being.
2: Yeah. After that win in 1972 in Birmingham, you, you go back to Auburn. Did you go to Tumors Corner and see all of that? Well,
6: when I got back to Auburn. When I got back to Auburn, I, the mayor, the mayor was waiting on me to talk to me.
7: Yeah, you know, he said,
6: "Who's going to clean up all this?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> so he wasn't elated, or was he kidding? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm just joking. I mean, but no. I would
6: think he, I would think he was saying, "Hi, in the world, we're going to clean up this mess." Yeah, it's the only the this loud, long-haired guy has done said
1: something that's cost the city ten thousand dollars to clean us up. <laughs> you did that. Uh, You did have that hair, man. You you were the first out of Oxford with a mullet. It was a. You, I, I I used uh, to kid. Well,
6: I didn't have no certain mullet. It just kind of was a little, just, you know. A mullet was a little redneck I, I wasn't
1: quite redneck no you were far from that you were up school you were uptown too the well, way you dressed and everything I don't think anybody would ever accuse you of uh, well a I'd mullet rather be in, I'd, I'd rather be in
6: style than be, I'd rather be dead than not be in style, you know so
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that is true today so um,
2: all right uh,
1: Lars tell him about the toilet paper at Walmart.
2: Yeah, uh, so after the uh, prayer at Jordan Hare and the kick six, uh, I I was uh, working at Sports Illustrated at the time and uh, we wanted to do a cover story on the Auburn Miracles. And I was trying to figure out a way to, I I don't know, just a unique way to approach the story. And so I went to uh, the Walmart in Auburn and uh, asked to speak to the, the manager of the store, introduced myself and, and asked to speak to the manager of the store. And he proceeded to tell me... Uh uh, one, he, he loves toilet paper because he he served, I, I think, in uh, the Desert Storm. And he's like, you know, uh, nobody cherishes toilet paper more than a soldier in the desert. Uh, and then he said that uh, in the previous month uh, that uh, after because of those two games, That the Walmart in Auburn, Alabama, sold more toilet paper than any Walmart in the world, (laughs) which is an amazing statistic, an absolute amazing statistic. And to think, Terry, uh, it all goes back to you. You may be you may be personally responsible for more toilet paper sold than any single person, even the uh, don't squeeze the Charmin guy.
6: Well, I, I appreciate that, and you need to call Kleenex and tell them to send me that royalty check. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but I'll tell you, I'll tell you something else, Lars. If Coach Jordan had let me wear those white shoes like I wanted to, you know what I mean? It would be more than just that toilet paper, okay? <laughs> I mean, I would have my name
1: on a lot of things. Terry, <laughs> you would have been. <laughs> a sponsor's
2: dream in NIL. Uh, yeah, NIL, you would have cleaned up.
6: And then if they let me wear the tearaway go. jerseys, you're not going to wear tear jerseys. You're not going to wear them, Terry. I'm, Why not? Coach, Coach Beard, who's the athletic said they cost $35, that's too much to pay for a jersey. And second of all, we're not sure you can run hard enough tear one. So, <laughs> you know, so, you know, you it, just...
1: Listen, I always had to think about these things. I'd live in bed thinking about these things, you know. <laughs> I have a question uh, It has a lot to do with your business success today. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, I don't know about that. Terry, um, <laughs> yes. there was a little and uh, maybe even a little bit more pushback in the hiring of few Freeze because of his past. It didn't <laughs> seem to take very long before he won that adversity over and then he really kicked it in his transparency and honesty at SEC Media Days. Has, has he 100% won over Auburn? Listen, I think
6: he, he, he's won everybody's attention. He's got everybody's attention. No question he has, you know. And, uh, and uh, you know, Archie Manning sent me a text an hour after that Auburn hired him and said, Henley, you just got yourself a great football coach. He said, and the reason why I'm telling you this is because I hired him at Ole Miss because we didn't have an athletic director and the president asked me, uh, me and one other guy to go find us a uh, head football coach at Ole Miss and I found Hugh Freeze. He said, you got a great coach, buddy. Well, that, that changed my mind for, you know, what I mean, immediately. If Archie Manning is telling me that, I'm believing what Archie Manning tells me, okay? And uh, and uh, and I think he, he, he hasn't done it with talk. He's done it with action, okay? Yeah. He hasn't done it with talk, okay? But I'm going to tell you all something. You know, before we got, I told you, and I told you we needed leadership. We need leadership. We need leadership. leadership. We got leaders now. We got Chris Roberts. What does Chris Roberts do go hire John Cohen? What does John Cohen do? Put, put, puts the foot in the, on the line and says, don't cross it. You know what I mean? You don't let any information out of here. You don't go out here and tell stories. You don't do anything that happens in this athletic park. And and it all starts with Chris Roberts and the leadership that he started here and has is brought back to Albert. That's you don't hear anything from trustees, nobody's yang yang about any of this. Everybody's on the same page. And uh, that's where I think it all starts.
1: Um, it does. If you look around the nation at the great college football athletic programs, you'll see the structure that you just mentioned. Terry, will you hang on for a few more minutes? Oh, certainly. All right. Terry Henley is our guest on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage.
2: Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker... Who's as roll tied as houndstooth will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205 790 7229. Again, that's 205 790 7229. And you can also email her at Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com.
3: This is the Big Noon Sports Network.
1: Terry Henley is our guest. It's Lars, Matt, and Justin on the Friday afternoon. Terry, uh, no comment on the, the situation with Jarquez Hunter away from the field. Uh, except for the fact that how is it going to affect him? Do you know he's back on the field now? He's taking handoffs. Um, Do you know his status as far as playing? And then just go over the running back rooms at Auburn right now. Well,
6: let me tell you something. He's not out there practicing for nothing, okay? He's not out there practicing just for show. He's out there practicing because he's going to play, okay? Okay. With him coming back to the Auburn football team and clearing up ever what he got to the situation he had uh, uh, got involved with, with him coming back, Auburn just increased their wins by one to two more games. I'm telling you, this kid's a player. Y'all know he's a player. I ain't got to tell you that. I mean, this he catches the ball out of the backfield as well as any back that I've since Brooks on Crips. Okay? I mean, they—they's a smooth runner. He's a strong runner. And, and he's, he's, he's a good running back. Now, I think Cobb is going to play. I mean, this boy, uh, I'm a little partial to him because he's wearing number 23. But uh, he, he he's a player himself, and he is a breakaway at any time. And he runs very hard, about like tank, when Tank was a freshman, you know, get him down. You just, first man hit him couldn't bring him down, you know? And uh, I think you're gonna get that out of Jeremy Cobb too. But I, I'm willing to bet that uh, Hunter coming back is, uh, it, it increased it at least one to two wins, yeah.
2: Terry, uh, I can't let the tumor's corner thing go, okay? <laughs> I just need, okay. I, I need to know some more detail. Um, Do you know who actually threw the first roll of toilet paper up there after, again, after you said, you know, we're going to beat the number two out of Alabama and you win 17-16 here in Birmingham in 1972? Do you know just how uh, that all started and and was it a friend of yours who, uh, you know, uh, decided to take your comment and use that as inspiration for throwing the first roll of toilet paper?
6: I think it was Jim Beam that got it started, okay? (laughs) I think think that's what started it, Jack Daniels or Jim Beam, you know, because, you know, I do not. uh, You know, the only thing I will tell you is, like I said, when I said it on the radio, you know, I I, I didn't realize that 30 minutes later walking to Haley Center, people were, uh, you know, hey, we're going to be the number two out of them. And then it just kind of grew you know I mean? It kind of grew. So to tell you through the first, I have no idea. The only thing I can tell you is, is they emptied a lot of dormitories with a toilet tissue.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, boy! People need to know a little bit more about that. Now, I was aware of that, but I was not aware of Jimmy Carter's involvement here. Uh, Carter yep. was, a, Carter's a good guy, and uh, yeah, he went on. He's like one of the starters of the Nashville network on air.
6: That's correct. Uh, and, That's uh, correct. And if you know. read the book, if you read the book that Jeff Miller just wrote about the '72 team, he has a section in there that he went and talked to uh, Jimmy Carter, and uh, and Jimmy Carter said, "Yes, I had him on the radio," and he said that, and you know, basically the rest is history. You know, so you know, get you. People still talk uh, to you
1: about that, Terry.
6: Did, who talked to me about that?
1: I mean, just people walk up the street and say, aren't you Terry Anley? Hey, we beat the number two out of number two.
6: Well, I mean, they don't say it as much anymore. They see me wearing that diaper, so I don't need the toilet tissue know, quite <laughs> as well. But, <laughs> <you're so
2: disgusting>.
6: <laughs> 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 no, but, you know, every now and no, then... No, be
2: somebody... careful. There may be diapers thrown into the <laughs> trees here.
6: <laughs> you know, but every now and then, somebody will mention it, and and say something about it. And, you know, it's not something I go out here every day and, and say anything about. Uh, it's, it's something that just occurred, you know, what I mean after a statement. So, you know, it's sort of like Forrest Gump in a lot of ways. You know, Forrest Gump made a lot of statements there. Things happened, you know, wiping his face off with my t-shirt and had the smiley face on it, you know, just, just stuff like that, you know, just crazy stuff like Forrest Gump.
1: Watch out. It's going to be Forrest Henley before long. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Terry, uh, get back to the football field for a minute. I I get the feeling that Auburn is going to have uh, a much better offensive line. Maybe not much better, but um, it's been a problem over the last four or five years. Do you see it better?
6: Well, when 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 Gus, his last four years or last three years, didn't recruit and sign but one offensive tackle, and then the Harsons uh, didn't sign but one offensive lineman, uh, you know, you're going to have troubles. you got to sign five offensive linemen every year. You can talk to any football coach in the country, and they'll tell you you've got to sign five no matter what. If you can't find five offensive linemen, you've got to find a defensive lineman with feet and put him over on offense because you've got to have five because you're going to have two that are going to not make it. You're going to have one get hurt. You're going to have one a 2nd team and a starter. Okay? That's what you're going to end up with. I mean, that's over the – you can go through the years and years and years, and that's how it all ends up weighing out. So you just got to – you've got to get signed those players. Now, he's going out here and patched this thing together. and got some big boys. You know, I mean, he's got some six seven, six six guys on the tackles, that to get a big body on those on those rushers, you know. But he's going to want to run the football. He's got to let this quarterback get seated in before he starts chunking this thing all over this field,
7: okay? Uh,
2: Terry, you mentioned uh, Brian Harsin. Um, and, you know, you never want to kick someone while they're down, but... Uh, are there just a few takeaways, a few lessons that were learned from the Brian Harson era, however brief it was? Well, you learned a few. You can learn a few
6: lessons. The first thought you had an idiot the president, Dr. Lee, and then you had a, a, a stupider A. a D. Alan Green. You know, you talking about dumb and dumber. Wow. you know what I mean there and you hire a football coach because you was in the swimming pool at a hotel with him you know what I mean and you meet him in the swimming pool what you're doing breast or something come on come on you you got to do more investigation than that when you're hiring a football coach for for auburn University give me a break you know I mean they they had as but, but as much sense as as uh as um a, a, you know what I mean, it was, a, yeah. it was an absolute moron, you know. And excuse me for using those, but I, I'd tell them to the face, you know what I mean, those things, how stupid they were, you know what I mean, in hiring him. He had no business being at Auburn University. He did nothing to win that win that job at Auburn University,
2: nothing. What was the first sign of trouble in your mind that you saw from uh, Brian Harson?
6: First sign of trouble I saw when it's, you know, he wouldn't go out and recruit. He wouldn't go to the high schools. He refused to go to the high schools. You know, he never went to any high school. I think he went to one. You know, he said he wanted wanted them all to come to him. I guess he wanted everybody to bow down or whatever. I don't know. You know, but, uh, you know, it it, it, it didn't work. You got to, when you're in the SEC, you got to recruit, recruit. You can't play without players in the SEC. You got to have players, and you got to grow them. You got to go look at them from the eighth grade, ninth grade. That's why want to have all these camps so you can see these guys, and all of a sudden see their granddaddy standing over there, and he's six seven, and this kid's this kid's fourteen years old now. He's already six four. There's a good possibility he's going to be a big kid.
2: <laughs> and you I, know. I, I... I remember being at uh, SEC Media Days when uh, Brian Harson uh, was hired and uh, before his first season, and he spent his first 20 minutes talking about how much he loves Boise State, just waxing poetic about Boise State, Boise State. And I remember looking to a colleague of mine. And saying, "Is this guy the head coach at Auburn or Boise State?" Like he, it's like I could tell like right then and there. And Matt, let me know. I'd love to hear your reaction. Well, that that, like, that you, Brian, like, yeah, go ahead.
6: I'm gonna tell you a perfect example. Okay, I'm gonna talk about Tommy Tubbleville when they were looking for an offensive coordinator at Auburn. That he Boise he was burning it up in the offense, burning it up up there, you know, with all all the things they were doing and and, and razzle dazzles and yada yada. So he brought the he brought the uh, o, o C down to Auburn, and he put him in a room. He put him in a room in the film room, and he put on the LSU game that they had played that year, the year before, and and it was a you know it was a, just a knocked down drag At Auburn won the game and he turned, he turned he said what I'm gonna do if you seen this ball game he said no he said well I'm gonna put on the first half of this ball game and then I'm gonna, at halftime, I'm gonna give you seven minutes to tell me what you're going to changes you're gonna make to win this ball game or to lose it or whatever you're gonna tell me what you're gonna change or add the second half to improve our chances of winning, okay? Um, he said, "Okay." So they start the film. Start the film. Five minutes into the film, he turns around to Tommy. And he says, "Good gosh, alive! Look how fast they LSU is." Tommy goes over and cuts that light on, cuts that projector off, and says, "If you think they're fast on that film, you ought to see them in person." <laughs> and he ended the he ended the interview right then okay now Tommy Tocqueville will tell you that because Tommy yeah. told me that and and he said they have no clue in these leagues up there you know that uh, what we're playing with down here you have no idea you know I tell people all the time look we, I, I played against John Hannah from the 10th grade on you know <laughs> I played against John Cole from the 10th grade on you know uh and and because they were in, they didn't have a junior high and John was at a at a prep school so he didn't play but one year against me but John croll he didn't play he didn't start playing senior football until 10th grade and I of course I started at eighth grade on varsity so you know but we that's what you talk about the the, the talent that has come out of Alabama you know you just I mean, John is still considered one of the greatest offensive linemen ever played the game in the NFL.
1: Good reason.
6: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, when he, 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 an outstanding track star, when we would have when we would have a track meet because I was a track guy, they would stop the running events when he threw the discus. And the reason why, because he would throw it over the fence onto yeah. the track, and so they would only let him throw it one time because nobody else could come close to that.
1: I would heard you that. Know. Terry, it's always yep. electric stuff when we get 2-3 on here. Thanks for your time and we'll we'll do it again soon and good luck. We're getting that 53 done.
6: <laughs> okay, buddy. Thank y'all for having Thank me Thank you, on.
2: Terry. Awesome. Where you go? Alright, gotcha. Oh, Terry. Matt, I love that. I love that. I love uh, well, I love like uh, unraveling some history, right? Like, I really uh, find it fascinating to Discover how different traditions are formed, and um, I didn't know about
1: the ticker tape stuff. So there yeah. was a little bit of an origin before that. But Terry's the one that sold all the toilet paper. We'll be back to wrap up the Friday edition of Big Noon Sports in a minute. Hi,
2: I'm. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9. Tuscaloosa weather.
0: A mix of sun and clouds this afternoon. The chance of scattered showers and storms through the evening hours. The high today, 92. Tonight's low, 73. Tomorrow, partly sunny, hot, and humid. A chance of widely scattered showers or storms. The high, 95. I'm James Spann on the ABC
3: 3340
0: Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 91 degrees in
3: Tuscaloosa. Covering SCC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: And we're wrapping it up for Friday. Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sensing, Union Home Mortgage. Our many thanks to Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group, for
2: uh, their sponsorship as well, Lars. On Thursday, August 31st, there is going to be a very special golf tournament at uh, Greystone Legacy in Birmingham. And joining us now to talk about it is Patty Bromberg, who is the events coordinator at Bridgeways, Alabama, and uh, also a near and dear friend of mine. Patty, how are you doing this afternoon?
7: Hey, I'm doing fantastic. How are you?
2: We're doing great, having a having a really uh, wonderful Friday. Uh, what can you tell us about uh, Bridgeways first of all, and then also the uh, Kathleen P. Brune Memorial Leadership Open again? That's Thursday, August thirty first at Greystone Legacy.
7: Well, first of all, I want to say I'm just so proud to be a part of Bridgeways. Um, it is just an incredible organization, and what we are, we're a nonprofit youth development organization, and we used to be Campfire Girls, which uh, many people might be familiar to that, but we dis- disaffiliated from um, Campfire um, two years ago, so we could focus on uh, programs and services for our kids in our local community and the tournament is in honor of kathleen p brune who was um the executive director um for the organization for over 25 years and um we honor her life and legacy um as she was the personification of leadership and loved the, the children that we serve so um it is a really cool thing and we raise money Um, for a uh, scholarship for an upcoming uh, graduating senior going into their first year of college. That's what the tournament raises money for.
2: And uh, Matt and I will be out at Greystone again on Thursday, August 31st. And uh, I'm informing Matt of this now. We're going to be teeing off at about 8 a.m., try to get in a full 18 and uh, I know there's going to be a, uh, a Bloody Mary bar that's going to open oh, yeah. at uh, 830. And uh, uh, I've been out there before at your tournament, Patty, and uh, that is the Bloody Mary bar of all Bloody Mary bars.
7: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so we also are going to have a cigar bar on the course, uh, I think, like, between hole 8 and 17. I can't remember, but it's... You can hit it going and you can hit it coming. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and uh, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, how many groups uh, do you still need to fill out? And just uh, give us a little just uh, contact information.
7: Okay. We, um, we, uh, you can contact us at 205 208 three zero four five that is our office and ask for me Patty Bromberg and I can hook you up we have um, uh, some spots left and if uh, if our spots are full we we can uh, we're gonna find a way to work you in <laughs> yeah but, I, um, I, I can
2: I can tell everybody from firsthand experience that it is a, a lot of fun. And, um, and, and, yes, and they can call you directly. I'm not going to give your cell. I, I threatened to do that earlier when we were talking, but, uh, but your office number is 205-324-2434. Again, that's 205-324-2434.
7: That's not we. We had to change that number. Somebody took our phone number. So oh, it's really, okay. That's not I did our not new know number. That. How dare them! <laughs> <laughs> no, our it's two. Our it's two zero five two zero eight three zero four five. Um. That is so. That's the number they want to call. To okay, get,
2: uh, I apologize for that. I, oh, sorry, uh, I was give, given some uh, bad some information old, by some older
7: someone. literature. That'd be my fault. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: uh, Matt, have you played out at, at Greystone Legacy before? Not
1: like, yeah, but I haven't played golf in a long time. Lars, you don't want me on your team.
2: Uh, oh, come on. Uh,
1: no, we'll no, You'll have a
7: about, great time. Oh, I know.
1: I'm going to hit the cigar bar and the Bloody Marys and I'll just drive the cart. How's that? <laughs>
7: That's the
1: best. <laughs> I'll ride around a cart with you, okay?
7: Yeah, we have awesome prizes too. We have just some killer killer prize we do a prize table instead of most tournaments uh, kind of do the the top team gets the four of the same thing the second team for the same thing and then so on and so on but i do a huge prize table and the you know the winning team gets to come up and pick out what they want first and it's a whole bunch of really fantastic stuff and i would like to thank our um presenting sponsors blue cross blue shield and the Thomas C. Jernigan Foundation and uh, Altec is our partnering. So, I mean, we just, we we really knock it out of the park on uh, putting on a awesome event. Yeah. Um, the and theme again, I, is incredible. Yep.
2: Yeah. I and I, I can, that. I can vouch for all of that. Uh, it is, it is so much fun. Again, it's Thursday, August 31st at Graystone Legacy to get any information uh contact bridgeways the correct number is 205 208 3045 that's 205 208 3045 patty thank you so much for joining us uh look forward to talking to you soon in uh and Matt and I will uh be out there we got uh we have a banner believe it or not Matt has a banner guy and uh we're, we'll, 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 we'll bring, bring we'll bring our banner and uh we'll, we'll we'll be there but but thank you again Excellent. Patty
7: no thank you' all so much and y'all have a fantastic weekend and I am just so grateful that y'all had me on thank
2: absolutely you, yep thank you so much
7: thank you um,
2: yeah, Matt. That that, that will be a, a a really good time. Again, it's a thirty uh, a Thursday, August thirty-one at Greystone Legacy. Uh, they still have spots available, and um, there'll be a, a former Alabama players there, former Auburn players there, uh, and of course the the star of Talladega Knights, Matt Coulter, will be there. And uh, to, uh, to uh, secure your place, uh, again, the phone number is, uh, is 205-208-3045. Matt?
1: Hey, Lars, as long as we're talking about cigars, let's talk about cigars and the Cigar Mansion. And that's Reagan. That's R&R Cigars, Bourbon. It, it is truly, it's the Cigar Mansion. And it's a wonderful place right downtown Tuscaloosa it's right there on sixth. you literally when you turn there you cannot miss it because you know what it looks like a place you could pull over, and grab a good stick and a nice uh two fingers of basil Hayden and uh move along go go it's
2: like a it's like an old house right yep. and yep. uh it's it's very warm and comforting and man, just go in there and just hang out and uh, talk to people it, uh, it, it reminds me almost Matt of like Stepping into I don't know The 1950s and, and where people Could just go to a social club And just hang out
1: It's almost 1850s I mean that is an old home I don't know if it's antebellum or not But I mean it's got the The tall columns out front um, It's not quite Something out of... Gee, here goes my... I mean, there's a big the porch. There's a big porch big you can hang out on. The wind. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, but it's a, it's a very large place and um, you'll be you'll be glad that you took our advice if you aren't already. So, Lars, wrapping up the show. I hope you have a terrific weekend. Uh, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to lay back because our weekends are about to get just hectic as you know what. So, um... We'll get ready for that. You know, high school football is like two weeks away. Um, they'll play a game in, what, two weeks? A college game, isn't that right? One of the one yeah. early birds? on What do they call it? Week zero? I still don't know. Week zero.
2: It. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nebraska mean, what, is going to be playing on. soon. And uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, their march to the Super Bowl begins tonight. They are uh, playing the Green Bay Packers, and Jordan Love is actually going to you know, play I, a few series. Let's see how I Jordan actually, Love does. Might actually watch that pregame because I'm not much on
1: these exhibition games. It's just stuff. Uh, but I know you'll be watching. We should watch together, except we'll throw stuff at each other. All right. <laughs> have a great week. Thank you to Justin Jones and all of you that listen to Big Noon Sports. Good weekend.